1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Education, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Laura Kelly, a host on the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Jay Arena, the author of the new book, Expelling Public Schools How Anti Racist Policies Enable School Privatization in Newark. Jay Arena, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, uh, Laura. Glad to be here.
1: Jay, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do in education, and how you came to this project?
0: Sure. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, in, uh, I'm here in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, so down the river from Memphis, where you're uh, broadcasting from. But I came here uh, many years ago in the mid-80s, mid, mid 80s. seems like yesterday, uh, but it was to work as a, a community and labor organizer uh was involved in a number of different struggles and and those experiences kind of led me to to uh to graduate school to think a little bit more deeply uh, about the experiences uh organizing experiences that I'd been in um and to draw out the lessons for strengthening our our struggles and they had been in kind of in the context of a, a majority black city just at the time Reaganism uh the whole kind of right-wing offensive w- was hitting and so those were Kind of my experience is my focus. And so my uh, first book was around, and uh, dissertation was on the destruction of public housing in pre and post Katrina, New Orleans, and kind of the lessons from that, and kind of the negative role of uh, the nonprofits and weakening social movements. And, and then, you know, you don't always know where you're going to end up after you graduate. And so I ended up in um, New York at uh, the uh, City University of New York, a public university, uh, the Staten Island uh, campus. And so I decided to live in New Jersey. If people have been there, it's kind of Staten Island, they call it the the forgotten borough, because it's not really connected to the rest of the boroughs with subways. It's actually more connected to New Jersey. So I ended up um, in Newark, and this kind of project just fell in my lap. It was this huge struggle around public schools. And I immersed myself in that and the product some 10 years later uh, is expelling public schools.
1: Great. All right. Well, let's dive into it then. So a key idea underpinning your argument is the difference between what you call racial democracy and social democracy. Can you explain the difference between these two ideas and how they operated in your case study of Newark?
0: Sure. Yeah, that kind of, that, that concept and larger theory kind of anchors the book, uh, as you correctly pointed out. And I've, uh, it's, i it's, I take this from Preston Smith, a uh, political scientist uh, at Holyoke College, and it's part of uh, the the larger what you could call the materialist school of post civil rights black politics so people like adolf reed junior uh cedric johnson Tori reed uh Pres- preston smith um but uh this is taken from preston smith's uh, book on on housing struggles in chicago in the mid 20th century and so he looks at uh racial democracy is we could call this um You know, the fight for equal opportunity within a capitalist system. Right. A radical understanding, a radical equal opportunity. And maybe on on its farther end, you could call it an anti-disparitarian goal of an equal distribution of the goods and bads within capitalism. And so it's not to get rid of inequality altogether but to have it um distributed on an equal basis a- along race but you could extend it on on a gender sexuality and so you have 13% of african americans are billionaires excuse me 13% of the population then they should be 13% of the billionaires right so the, the, the equal distribution of the goods and bads in contrast social democracy uh and he uses these two uh concepts to uh, to compare one another. Uh, social democracy is an argument that uh, people should have equal access to uh, the basic necessities of life, um, regardless of, of of race. So it is a kind of encompasses racial democracy, right, against any kind of form of discrimination, but also class as well. And so um, your, your uh, money should not be an inhibitor to access to housing and education and other uh, other basic necessities. Um, we can get into it a little bit more how that plays out, but oftentimes, and what we've seen, is that only going for racial democracy makes the, uh, undermines uh, the ability of really achieving racial inequality. Um, and then at other times we see in the, in the recent times particularly around the Sanders campaign on how a racial democracy politics was used as a leverage against a social democratic politics.
1: So in the book, you argue that to really understand neoliberal school reform, including school privatization, we need to understand black politics. What are most studies missing about black politics?
0: Well, uh, yeah, look, maybe we can go back a little bit on this history, and and then we can kind of delve into that. And so I'm looking at the context, and this is drawn from Adolf Reed's work, a black urban regime, right? These are majority black cities, um, with the mayor and the majority of the city council being African American, who rely on a black working class base, and these are a, a, a you know, a product, a historical product of deindustrialization racist housing policies and that 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 emerge kind of in the in the nineteen by the 1960s many cities like newark were majority black and, and and puerto rican in newark's case and by the 70s you have these black urban regimes uh emerging and uh it's also at the same time that the federal government is reducing support for cities. And there's a move toward the whole kind of neoliberal uh neoliberal transformation of American capitalism, of which privatization is is a is a huge a huge component. And so in in uh Newark, uh there's a uh a black mayor that's elected in the 1970s. Um Uh, There's another mayor that's Kenneth Gibson and then Sharp James. And they basically uh, attempt to follow kind of a pro-corporate, pro-business development model to attract business uh, and investment to the central city in particular. And uh, this did not (laughs) play out very well for black working class people. Right. Uh, but they kind of legitimated themselves as a defender of of the black uh, of the black community. Now, with Sharp James, uh, he's he's elected in 1986 and goes through uh, till 2000 and 2006. Yeah. And when when Cory Booker is elected and he. uh you know, oversaw kind of this renaissance, uh, uh, the return of capital to to New to the central city, uh, and we did see this kind of happening in in many different uh, urban centers, including majority black um, centers. But he was not on board with the privatization of public schools, which kind of hits by the late '90s and early into in, in the early 2000s, and so and this is the context. In which uh, Cory Booker emerges. Uh, He he actually grew up in the uh, the suburbs of, of of Newark. He his family had connections with uh with with Newark. His family was a beneficiary of the gains of the civil rights movement. His parents worked in, in middle management, corporate management and Xerox. They were able to buy uh thanks to the despite the discrimination they faced, buy a home in an affluent uh suburban neighborhood. And then he goes on to very elite education, Stanford. Uh, He got a master's in sociology. Uh, uh, We'll give him kudos for that as a sociologist. Glad to see that. Then he gets a a Rhodes uh, scholarship uh, to go to, to England, and then he comes back to top it off with a law degree at Yale. And so he arrives in the 1990s, late 90s, and he basically latches on to school privatization as the kind of key public policy and and he's promoted by you know very powerful forces that are behind what I consider a movement it's the, the movement to privatize it's kind of a movement from above and, and and this gets back to your initial question about anti racism and racial democracy unlike the earlier waves uh, against to to impose kind of the neoliberal neoliberal agenda attacks on welfare for example that used a real racist edge the movement to privatize public uh, public education uh some way similar to public housing couched it as an anti-racist initiative right we want to end uh inequalities in education the 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 uh the, the gap the the racial uh, outcome gap between black and latino students and white students and so key to that was uh providing choice um as an earlier broadcast you had on on vouchers uh but also with with charter schools and so that was uh, defined as the civil rights movement uh of our of our day and and uh booker runs first against um Against Sharp James in 2002, and uh, almost defeats a, a very strong run with charter schools, and he's backed big time by by charter school activists. Um, but then, um, and this emboldens the movement, the the national movement. But it's you know it's this anti-racist initiative, and in 2006, he is able, he is he is elected. Uh, as the mayor of, uh, of of Newark, and he begins the kind of uh, 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 shock therapy, which we can kind of get into uh, uh, with, with your subsequent questions, the shock therapy privatization of public schools in Newark, which is part of a national initiative.
1: So I want to build on this idea about the about school achievement and a gap between Black and white students, um, and that being framed as a civil rights issue and thus the uh-huh. civil rights issue of our time. Um, so, you write about how Booker and his coalition set an agenda that centered that Black white achievement gap, how they framed it as the civil rights issue. What did that framing make possible for them to move forward, and what do you argue that it misses?
0: um yeah so that was the framing that, that this was this progressive initiative um and that uh you know choice school choice which fits in with kind of this whole neoliberal ideology um was central to uh you know uh, confronting the 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 uh the achievement gap right so it's not about um reducing t- student teacher ratio it's not about um, dealing with poverty and segregation It's this empowerment of families through school choice. Now, this had been, you know, Booker did not start this, right? So it was in the uh, 90s that uh, the mid 90s that uh, New Jersey under Governor Christine Whitman, a Republican, Uh, passed and and signed legislation creating the first charter schools, right? Publicly funded, but privately run schools. And in the New Jersey case, it varies by state, but the state had to approve um, the uh, applications for creating charter schools. Now, just previous to that, and this is kind of goes together, and this is plays a very important part in the subsequent struggle in Newark, that the... uh, New Public Schools were taken over by the state. And so they got rid of the school board and they were directly administered to the state, which allowed make it easier to, you know, to reform the schools, to put through these put through these charter schools. But they really didn't take off until Booker comes to power in 2006. And this is just at the same time. So we have to look at the context. I'm here in New Orleans 2005 now we're facing this other calamity right now with saltwater intrusion but at that time was hurricane katrina and the it was a classic disaster capitalism uh, what Naomi Klein has talked about, disaster capitalism—the the elites, political and economic elites—took advantage of that to put through policies agendas that were much more difficult under normal conditions. And one of those was the mass privatization of the public schools. They closed the closed the public schools. They fired all the teachers, broke the largest teachers union uh, in the the largest union in the state, and have rolled out till this day the only. Uh, purely all charter school district. Um, Now we might see other states going in that direction the way we see things. So Booker comes on at that time and uh, he works with five different foundations, the the usual suspects, Gates, the Jobs, um, uh, uh, the Walmart Foundation and a number of others Uh, For a targeted focus. And so the foundations who have been a prime mover of this whole movement to privatize public education, decide to come together to target several cities. Uh, All of them are majority black. All of them have uh, have law- been stripped. The school board has been stripped of their control. And so that's New Orleans, as you would suspect, Washington, D.C., and Newark. And so this uh, begins a big push, a lot more money coming in. There's the Newark Charter School Fund that's, that's established. Uh, and so there's a big push there. Now, they don't have, at this point, uh, mayoral control. It's controlled by the state. There's a Democratic governor. And although he is uh, – this is uh, Corzine, another uh, Goldman Sachs guy like the current uh, Governor Murphy, but he's not willing – although he's done a lot of stuff to promote private, he's not willing to kind of hand things over to Booker who's considered basically this um, you know, leader, uh, leading activist uh, pushing charter schools. And it's particularly important for this movement that there's an African-American leading it. And so – uh, they make these advances, and then three years later, there's the election of Chris Christie, who we now know is running for president and made some interesting comments uh, in the, the the debate the other day, which contradicted what he was actually doing in, in New Jersey with the teachers union. And so they come in, uh, Christie comes in, and charter schools are a big Uh, He's a big champion of those as well, and so we have a Republican at the state house, and we've got uh, in Newark, the largest city in Newark, an African American leader, leader in the the at the one of a national leader in the fight for charter schools, and so they come together in an alliance uh, to put through basically a shock therapy, mass privatization, a la New Orleans, without. Katrina, um, uh, privatization of the schools.
1: So I want to hear more about Gates and Jobs and the Walton Foundation. Um, You write about how private philanthropists play a significant role in school privatization. Um, And here's a quote from your book. You wrote, discarding the public service rhetoric of an earlier era, Venture philanthropy draws on business terms as donors become investors, impact is renamed social return, and the grant list is renamed an investment portfolio. So can you tell us more about the actors you refer to as philanthrop capitalists and the role they played in Newark? And also, what is your sense, for example, what does the Walton Foundation stand to gain from school privatization? What's the motivation of these actors in supporting this agenda?
0: Yeah, So the the uh, the philanthropists and I call them taken from from other other works, Philanthro because they are really um, they being and and when we're talking about education, Gates, Walton Foundation, Robertson, we'll talk a little bit more about Mark Zuckerberg uh, as the story unfolds. But in contrast to the earlier uh, robber barons, We're back in another Gilded Age, right? But the the earlier robber barons, the Rockefellers, the the Fords, the Carnegies, they also uh, uh, took their wealth from the exploitation of the laboring class, like their contemporary version. But they had a little bit more of a um, civic ethic, public ethic, public good ethic, Um, and they didn't. Uh, although it was working to promote their interest, they didn't have a tight control over their um, their grants. In contrast, what we see with this new new uh, era of philanthropy, uh, they don't make grants, they make investments, and they want to return on those investments. Now, I can't get into the mind of the Walmart family, but the 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 pro the the effect or 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 Mr. Gates or some of these other characters, uh, but the effect is to. Uh, you know, open up public education, one of the last major sectors of the public, the, the last major components of the public sector. And when we look in at states, that's the major component of their budgets. And the effect of their initiatives and their interventions have been to open up public schools to the market. That is what they have been arguing for. In, you know, they say they want to improve education. They don't talk about what the the research shows us about lower student teacher ratio about dealing with poverty racial segregation uh jobs and you know i'm a teacher Uh, we say that uh you know our students living conditions are our working conditions right all that stuff reverberates i'm at cuny a huge chunk of our students are homeless food insecurity you know those all of those issues reverberate into the classroom and those have to be dealt with to improve education just like through K through 12 and so this is uh but the way this these philanthrop capitalists have played out they really keep tight control right when they had this five when these philanthropies philanthrop capitalists came together in 2005 and 2006 to invest in those three. Th- they had benchmarks of what they wanted to see. It was like for Newark, it was like 40% charters. <laughs> That's what they got. They got basically that. Um, so they they they're, they play a real major role in this in this movement. And in Newark, in the Newark case, they came in big in 2006. And then in 2009 with the booker Christie Alliance to... Uh, shock therapy and this was kind of unveiled on Oprah's show in 2010 September of 2010 so 13 13 years ago it seems like yesterday uh, and Mark Zuckerberg was brought on to announce his 100 million matching grant to transform Newark's public schools and it was all about you know moving it toward toward charters and they wanted and this is consistent you know with the philanthropists they wanted to put the ceo superintendent right so the names have changed right we don't have superintendent we have ceos and that was a major uh goal of of zuckerberg's from this investment and booker and Christie moved quickly to do that now they had some problems they wanted this guy Gene brazard some people might know he was then the rochester Rochester, New York uh, superintendent, he later goes to Chicago, um, uh, Barack, Barack Obama's uh, chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, who who was then mayor and also a major promoter of charters and against the, 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 the union. And so in the midst of that, Broussard is brought over, Newark did not move quick enough, and so instead they tap uh, Cami Anderson. Who comes out of the uh, Bloomberg administration and the Joel Klein, uh, uh, Joel Klein regime school regime in New York City, which is a major promoter of charters? Uh, Bloomberg was a big promoter of of uh, Cory Booker, a big friend, an ally. And so she was uh, uh put in as superintendent in twenty eleven. So we're moving. He's a he's two thousand six, Christy comes in two thousand nine, we get the CEO superintendent, and they move very quickly to put through the transformations that the philanthropic capitalists, which their implementers, which we call kind of I, I take this from another another work looking at the 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 charters. Uh, they call the, the drivers the philanthrop capitalists, but then you have the implementers, and this was a real bipartisan effort, Republican um, and, and, and Democrat, to put those through. And so with Cammie Anderson, the, the CEO superintendent, and cooperation from Newark to Trent the state capitol and in Washington, so we have to remember at this time, 2009, uh, uh, Barack Obama takes takes a power. And he's the most pro-charter president that we've ever had, even though his predecessors were very pro-charter. He brings in um, his uh, pal Arnie Duncan from Chicago to head the Department of Education. And so they're really backing, uh, they're providing money to localities. In the midst of the Great Recession, they're dangling out uh, federal money if reforms are put through to make it easier to fire teachers right because the 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 charter movement the movement from above blames school to, the in a, in um they the, the, the blames the teachers for the failures of public education you need that super teacher you need that super ceo that can get rid of all those obstacles those bureaucratic obstacles so they can really serve the children and so what do you need You need to be able to fire teachers more easily. You need to be able to uh, close, quote unquote, failing schools. You need merit pay. So you need to be able to uh, award those really successful teachers. And so they are able to put this through. And this brings us back to the uh, debate yesterday. Was it yesterday or two days ago, the Republican debate, where Chris Christie, who's again running for president he did that in 2016 he attacked uh Randy Weingarten for being an obstacle for uh, reinventing public schools but in but in fact Randy Weingarten worked closely with the the uh Christie administration and his uh school superintendent Chris Cerf at the time major leader to negotiate uh, with, and with cooperation with the local Newark Teachers Union, this reforms that the uh, Christie and, and Booker and company wanted. So they worked very closely. In fact, I, I don't know why Christie is dissing his old friend. They went on the Morning Joe show and talked about this bipartisan cooperation. And so the uh, the union bureau, the AFT union bureaucracy worked hand in glove with the reformers like Christie to put through, these, uh, put, put through these reforms in Newark, New Jersey. But at the same time, these set the seeds, planted the seeds for the movement from below. One of the most powerful movements we've seen around the country to defend public schools, which brought in dissidents within the teachers union, uh, community activists, and most powerfully and importantly in the Newark case, were the students in the form of the Newark Student Union
1: is actually what I was going to ask about next. So you organize the book into two sections or a, a few sections, but major sections, the movement from above and the movement from below. And with the movement from above, you describe the political elites pushing school privatization forward and battling over the idea of local control. And with the movement from below, you describe organizing from students and teachers. So can you tell us more about the movement from below and what animated students and teachers to become involved in this struggle over public education
0: and school privatization yeah sure so in 2012 is when the uh the contract the 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 contract with Cami Anderson at, at the helm in Newark and the Newark teachers Union was uh was signed and then ratified and that put through a lot, a lot of the the reforms again as we mentioned at the same time there was a dissident um, faction of the Newark teachers Union which is called the new work education workers and they uh amounted to a vote no campaign on the uh, on the contract they weren't able to block it but they emerge as a major force among the teachers opposing the reforms in addition they become uh a number of the key activists uh, are important in in um inspiring a number of their students uh, to think critically and to mount, to begin to organize, right? One of the teachers said, You gotta organize, you gotta organize. And so in uh, 2012 as well, the students come together to respond to this contradiction, right? On one side, there's all this talk of all this money and all this focus on Newark Public Schools. Mark Zuckerberg, this got national attention, right? This put Booker and Newark on the, uh, the national spotlight. There's all this focus, but the students are experiencing worsening conditions. There are uh, cuts that are coming coming down into the Newark public schools, C- related to Christie giving an $800 million tax cut to the rich and having an equal amount of cut to, to the to the school budget. And so, in the midst of this contradiction, the students uh, organize and they uh, uh, they're big cut kind of coming out. Is a mass walkout in 2013 when the state holds a hearing in Newark. Uh the, the 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 joint legislative committee on education holds a hearing in Newark at Rutgers University, um, Newark, and the students organize this big mass uh mass walkout. And uh they're calling for You know, local control. They're calling for an end to the budget cuts, more money for public education, democratic control, um, and 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 against the privatization agenda. So they come out, and so this kind of in the midst of this ferment, Cory Booker who we talked about, this was his calling card, the privatization of public, public schools. He's the leader of this. He checks out. Now, we all know Cory Booker wants to be president. He wanted to move from the mayor's office. But a better uh platform, jumping off platform, springboard to the White House is the governor's office. But he couldn't wait for that. And so he goes, exits to the U.S. Senate. And in the midst of this, a, a, an intense a mayoral campaign emerges with on one side, Shavar Jeffries, who comes out of the movement. He's African-American graduate of Columbia law school, very elite law school. He's on the school board. He works with the KIPP charter chain. He was on their board. He's a champion of the charter schools. And on the other side is Roz Baraka, uh, who's on the city council, activist son of amiri baraka the well-known uh black activist poet leader of the black power movement and he so in newark it becomes a referendum the 2014 mayoral race basically becomes a referendum on charter schools and it becomes national attention and despite uh being uh out uh outspent enormously uh, Baraka is able to win the election. He kind of rides that popular movement to defend public schools uh, to, to City Hall in Newark. Uh, and then Shavar Jeffrey then goes on to head up the Democrats for Education Reform, the key uh, hedge uh, Wall Street-backed uh, movement within the Democratic Party to port charters. but. Barack is kind of a contradictory character. So on one side, he's aligned with the uh, public school movement to defend public schools against the charter agenda. He denounces the whole movement from from above, all the characters, the way that they uh, um, opportunistically use – uh, the civil rights movement to legitimate their agenda. He calls them out on that. Um, he's backed by the Newark Student Union. He's backed by the the Newark Teachers Union, uh, who also kind of has to kind of begin to posture militant <laughs> because of this movement from below. Uh, Randy Weingarten comes to to Newark to lie with him, although she negotiated that contract <laughs> that that pleased very much Chris Christie. Uh, Chris, I think you need to apologize for that attack on your partner that you made the other night. Uh, but on the other side, Baraka is also committed uh, to a rent uh, kind of uh, hegemonic definition of economic development, of raising property values, of attracting investment to the cities, of which charter schools are a key component, right? Uh, a lot of the charter schools are located in the downtown area, are part of the, 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 the renaissance. They also want to give – school choice to the new gentry that are coming into the city. And so he's got to kind of, how does he kind of thread this needle? He's allied with this movement uh, 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 to defend public schools, right? At the same time, he's allied with the same forces that uh, that that want to raise property values of which charter schools are a key component. And so basically the argument of the book, and I hope people read and give me their feedback on it, but I argue he he thread that he he was able to thread that needle by narrowing the focus of the movement on local control, self determination, a black and brown city that didn't have local control, unlike the 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 affluent white majority white suburban districts, and so the focus became on returning uh, uh, local control to the local school board uh, to do work, and separated that. So it was a racial democratic agenda and an important agenda, but separated it from the issue of the billionaires' movement to privatize public schools.
1: Uh
0: and could you really have self-determination if this if the privatization continued at pace, which the local school board has no control, has no control over those schools. And so once he takes power in 2014, Baraka, he kind of mends fences with the with the charter schools. He has this education convention which brings the lambs and the wolves together to say let's work together for the children although at the same time he doubles down on the demand that Cami anderson the booker and christie appointed superintendent needs to go and so there is the the disruption the movement intensifies over 24 and 2015. it culminates in these mass massive I have a photograph in the book, the massive student walkouts, um, and they converge on City Hall. They block traffic. um, And that really kind of seals the deal that Cammie must go. And so Baraka and Christy, although Baraka had campaigned on a slogan, when I become mayor, we all become mayor. Nonetheless, um, he, he has secret meetings Closed-door meetings with Christie, and they work out a deal, right? Now, let's remember, this is at the same time Christie is about to launch his campaign. This is 2015. He's about to launch, announce his campaign for president. He needs to quiet Newark, right? This would not look good, especially if he wants to portray himself as someone that can build bridges with the Democrats to put through neoliberal reforms if we've got a mass uh, mass disruptive movement in Newark. And so they cut a deal where they set out a roadmap for local control. They agree, the state agrees to that roadmap, eventual roadmap, but they replace the superintendent, Cammie Anderson, with another character, Cam- uh, uh, Chris Surf, who's even more influential in the national movement to, uh, to privatize charter education. He's from Montclair, New Jersey, another kind of element of the story. That's a nest of the charter activists around ar- around the country, and that's where he lives. Uh, but he's brought in uh, as the superintendent. And there's no agreement on stopping the proliferation of charters. And so we get local control, a roadmap to local control, where an increasing, at the same time, an increasing percentage of the students in the schools are in private charter schools of which there is no local control. So it's a very contradictory uh, situation. Uh, And so with this signing of the deal, the movement is kind of contained, right? Baraka is able with Christie's, with Christie being very ecstatic over that, to quiet Newark, right? So the movement, the, the focus overwhelming becomes on local control and the issue of charters is put to the wayside, it's moved to the side. And Baraka increasingly um, uh, builds bridges with the charters. And so they they run the charter movement and Booker run a, a, a united slate for the school board candidates, where previously Baraka had run his slate against the pro-charter forces. And so they solidify, they close ranks Um, And there's a number of other different initiatives in which uh, uh, Baraka solidarizes with the charter movement. And this does upset some elements of the movement from below. But because of his influence, unlike Booker, his predecessor, because of his long roots in the community, uh, him being uh, – Funded by by the the labor unions, that was basically the major funder for his campaign. He is able to kind of uh, silence any kind of opposition from that from that previous movement, um, and 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 that's where and and you know that's kind of where the the book ends. And then it's all about you know as an activist, we, we, I you know I went into graduate school. Uh, to think more deeply about the movements that I've been in and how we can really build a a real popular working class alternative. Uh, And these are very serious times that we're in. Right. And so that was, you know, the the last chapter is, is looking at the conclusion. What are the lessons from Newark for building that movement? And, And we're in a crisis of kind of this, this neoliberal model. That's the focus of the book, right. That emerges, Really, you know, Jimmy Carter is about to exit. It began really with the second half of the Jimmy Carter administration and obviously deepens with with the Reagan administration, uh, but then it continues on in a bipartisan manner with Clintonism and Obamaism. But clearly it's what Gramsci calls we're in an organic crisis. People don't believe the, the, the story that neoliberalism and its uh, backers provide. Right. Uh, it doesn't have that same ideological hold and it isn't able to deliver the goods, the material goods. And so we're seeing a real polarization on one level in the United States. And, and you know, globally, we've got some real dangerous authoritarian, I would call them fascist characters that are emerging uh, and they're providing a solution, right? They, or their vision of a solution. Uh, and, and if we, the popular forces on the left, don't provide one, they will um and and so maybe uh yeah i mean there's there's some lessons around democratic control of our over our movements that that's really that's really important i think it's a lesson from new work of providing a kind of comprehensive alternative the neoliberal agenda is a comprehensive alternative we need and then the fascists are providing theirs we need to have um an alternative set of demands and vision for the world that we're fighting for and i think we as educators are well positioned to mount that demand, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, some of our teacher activists say our uh, working conditions are our students learning conditions. That's true. That's true. But also we need to go farther and say our students living conditions are our working conditions. And so we need an alternative program of of demanding well-funded free education from kindergarten through university right we need health care free health care housing transportation uh an alternative model and the rich have to pay and you know we've got to end our war machine we're not going to be able to do that those are that's kind of a program that we can really build a movement against Uh, Excuse me, a movement for against the attacks that we're that we're facing. Right. Uh, And we see now there's an intensification of the attack on public education. Right. It's it's in in the post pandemic period. And so to, to the lessons from from New Orleans, from Newark and many other cities, we've got to have a comprehensive program democratically arrived at and to fight for it uncompromisingly. That's the way forward. That's the lesson that I take from the heroic, it was an important movement in Newark, but it didn't go as far as it could have.
1: Thank you so much for taking us through the book and giving us the details of what happened and the lessons that you draw from it. Um, I encourage listeners to find a copy of the book and check it out. Um, As we're wrapping up here, I'll ask our final question, which is what are you working on now?
0: Well, Right now, I'm trying to get the word out about the book. You know, we have to be our own best publicists. And so I really want to thank you, Laura, for opening up your venue uh, for this. This was really fun, a really good discussion. Uh, I have a a talk, if anyone's in the New Orleans area, uh, at the end of the month, uh, Professor uh, Cody Melchor uh, in the Sociology Department is uh, organizing a talk and uh, there's a number of other venues. So anyone out there is interested in inviting me uh, on your podcast or for a, for a talk at your school or labor union community group, I'm very happy to do that. If I'm in your city, I can show up in person, but as we've learned with the pandemic, we can zoom all around all around the world. Um, so I'm working on that. And And then uh, yeah, longer term, uh, I want to focus a study, a successful movement right? So Newark, New Orleans was kind of defeat. Uh, Newark was kind of a mixed bag, but we have a a clear-cut victory in Newark, New Jersey, a struggle I was involved in to close all the ICE detention centers, which we called concentration camps um, in the state of New Jersey, the publicly run one, and there's the private one that's about to be closed. And so that was kind of a clear-cut victory under the Trump administration. This happened all under Trump. Um, And so I want to focus in on that really powerful movement and the lessons for that.
1: Sounds great. I look forward to following that when you have it out. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you.